I'm Jen Guerrero, president at eCubed Events. I'm a professional event organizer who hires speakers every day. In today's World of Speakers podcast, Ryan and I cover the opportunities available to speakers and what I look for when I hire them. So if you're a speaker and you want to get more gigs, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of World of Speakers, and I am super excited today to introduce Jen Guerrero. (laughs) Was that a good role? Is that a good yes, R roll? That's great. I I typically don't introduce myself that way because I don't <laughs> roll the R's very well. But I encourage other. I encourage you. See, to. good, good. I took Spanish in in eighth grade as kind of before high school, and I learned to hate it <laughs> just because I didn't like my teacher at the time. And so I took Latin for four years, and then I figured out that Latin was useless to some extent because he can't speak it. And I still had a passion for communication. So I learned how to speak Spanish kind of in my car and CDs. And I was always excited about the chance to roll the R's. So, well, you're welcome. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. And it, this is, this is special because it's not just Jen Guerrero, it's Guerrero. We got a double R well, in there. That's right. good. That's right. <laughs> hey, so you are the president of E Cubed Events, and that's E C U B E D events. And you are, um, have an interesting perspective in the speaking world because you're more of a behind the scenes. You're somebody who helps to put on events for corporations and for those speakers who are world-class and want to become world-class. Getting to know someone like you is probably a very good thing. <laughs> so I, I want to know how the events thing started. Have you always been an events person? Take me back. So it ages me every single time I tell this story, or so I feel like. So I really fell into the event world when I was in college and I was planning the homecoming and the college activities and the festivals. And I realized I was good at it. And so rewind a few steps. So I went to college to be an accountant, okay, which is completely different from event organizer or meeting planner. (laughs) But you, I fell into, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, it's not only totally separate, like just the personality type. Like, I don't think of, from what I know of you so far, I don't, it doesn't seem like you have that accounting persona, but I'm, this is interesting. You're, you're a numbers gal. I am. I like doing budgets and forecasting and balancing our checkbook, but it's not, it wasn't the career solution for me. So, right. yeah. So I noticed that I was good at or learned rather quickly that I was good at planning events. And so that's when I immediately shifted gears. I still graduated with an accounting degree, but I said, no, this is where you're going to go. Because who really does <laughs> after college what they graduated with? Right. Rarely, anyone. I, yeah. Rarely, yeah. I, I went into college undeclared because I had that mentality from the very start. I was like, there's so many cool things to study. Why just choose one? And I knew so many people that, graduated with a degree and it has nothing to do with what they're doing now. But I'm telling you, accounting is good for events. I can see the value of it. So you've got like these double hats, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have a green, do you have a green desk light? That's like the classic (laughs) accountant with a little uh, golden string that looks brass that you pull and lights up your room. 
No, nor do I have okay. one of those fun hats with the spin wheel <laughs> or whatever yeah, pinwheel on the top. Yeah, the totally pinwheel. Yeah. All right. So you, you were an accountant and then you figured out you were good at events. What What is your favorite type of event? It doesn't have to be a speaker event. Like, are you a weddings person? Are you a, um, a birthday person? Just from like a holistic sense, what is your favorite type of event to throw? So uh, we specialize in corporate events solely. So we stay away from weddings and birthday parties. But um, my favorite event would be, I mean, where I'm finding that the need is, is really in conferences. And my all-time favorite would be a large person convention. So maybe a 3,000 to 4,000 person convention where there's multiple speakers, multiple tracks, multiple rooms. And I have the ability to really understand this event scope and the event strategy from a, a high level and breaking it down to individual tasks that need to be done to complete the event. And that's what keeps me going. That's what makes me excited every day. Is wow. That. That, and that, <laughs> that, to be honest, that sounds super intimidating. <laughs> There's so many moving parts in that. Like, I mean, if, if anybody's ever tried to put on an event, I, I love that you, that you just like, let's go for like thousands of people, tons of speakers, multiple tracks. That is good. That is your account. That is your inner accountant speaking to you. <laughs> That's right. Numbers. So it, another thing it, I would, tend to think visually a lot. And so when you were describing thousands of people, multiple tracks, multiple speakers, but at the end of the day, what you're passionate about is making it all work so that there's a clear message of the conference, right? Correct. It's really, what is the purpose for this event or this conference? Yeah, the purpose, and yeah. Making sure that's, yeah. Making sure that's considered in every single element that we do. And that's, oh my gosh, oh. will make the event a success. It sounds like you're describing helping someone through creating a speech. I just want to make this analogy real quick, right? Oh. You have you have thousands of words. You have multiple tracks. You have a central theme that every word has to support. And it can be super crazy intimidating, but it can be super exciting. And you're, the people in your conference and the speakers in your conference are the words that you're creating for your own you know, essentially speech that is in the form of an event. Interesting. That's an interesting analogy. And I can see yeah. the, I can see that. Parallels, all the little people in the conference, like, you know, that you get to place and put in different places and they become sentences and those sentences become paragraphs. <laughs> and then the speaker tracks or the different themes and whatnot. So that's, that's very cool. I think that that's a, a weird way to look at it, but it just sort of popped out of my mind. So you are, you are a speech writer. Well, of events. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited today to talk more about these corporate events because the people who have been speaking might have already experienced that. People who want to gain traction speaking, you know, there's speaking at events like Toastmasters and events at community organizations and places to just get more hours on stage. But corporations typically have the money to start you at a spot where maybe you might get paid to play. But I think it's still kind of a Wizard of Oz mysteryness. So you're like Miss Wizard of Oz in the background, helping describe what's going on. And we might be able to peek behind the curtain in the show to learn sort of about, you know, events and then about the behind the scenes that you see so we can get some great advice for speakers at these events. And then kind of, um, you know, what the tricks are to get into the ones that get paid. So I'm excited here. We're going to write a speech in a podcast form about events 
like speeches. Perfect. <laughs> get all exception <laughs> in there. So tell us a little bit more about your company. Are, so corporations hire you and you help to put them together. Um, just give me a little backdrop on the service that you provide and the problem that you solve. Perfect. Yes. So eCubed Events, we're an outsource provider working with small and medium-sized companies who don't have a meeting planner on staff. So a lot of organizations that hire us will hold conferences or sales trainings. And typically we would work with their marketing team or their HR team. And so they just need a little additional help in securing the venue or what's the run of show or hiring the speakers or even all of that. And so that's, we, we become an extension of those teams to make sure that that event goes off smoothly and meets the goals. Yeah. That purpose, right? The people that leave the conference or leave your speech, essentially that you're creating, they need to be confronted with a camera and bright lights outside, just like they got out of a movie theater premiere. And you say, how was it? What'd you think? Exactly. And then they say exactly what you want them to say. <laughs> That's exactly right. So let's look at this as a kind of breakdown of an event. Cause I heard you talk about the venue. I heard you talk about the run of show. I heard you talk about hiring the speakers. What are some more of these like core elements to an event that you're dealing with? Well, literally in a nutshell, it's pretty much everything that it takes to put on an event, but other examples would be working with the marketing team to create marketing elements to make sure that the attendees, that you get registrants or managing the registration site, both online and on site, we can help coordinate the event staffing. So that's a lot. It's a, yes. There's a lot of elements to it. And for those companies that don't have an internal person to do this, you are their outside person to do it. What are some examples of the types of, I mean, you don't have to give me specific events, but if we were to break down the different types of corporate events, how many different buckets could you put them in? What is the least amount of buckets that we could separate them in? Great question. So I would separate them into con like conferences, and that could be either a learning conference or a sales conference. And then celebrations. So that could be a holiday party or an awards recognition dinner, for example. And uh, trade shows is another solution. So this three. Three is my favorite number. You know, want to know why? What's that? <laughs> well, there's two reasons. Number one is that my numerology number is number three. Have you ever gotten your numbers done? No. Do you know what your numerology number is? I don't believe I do. Oh, my gosh. So I, I traveled and spoke around with the Green Festival, and they always have the fun, quirky businesses that are green, sustainable, little hippie, all kind of homegrown stuff. And there was a numerologist, like almost at every show. And after a while, I was like, what is this numerology? So I went over there and they basically ask you your birth date and then they get a piece of paper or their eyes roll back in their head and they do the math <laughs> and they scribble around. And then they basically say, you are a number three. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? And then they refer you to all this literature and everything else. And it's just like a horoscope. Interesting. But with numbers. And it's interesting. It sounds like you went to a carnival where they said, let me guess your weight. <laughs> and he stood on the scale. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the guy from uh, the vending machine from big, like the, you know, yeah. the genie that just like pops out the written one, <laughs> but I'm number three. And apparently, you know, I'm also a Leo and they're pretty aligned. I'm loud. I'm, you know, I'm out there, I'm outgoing. And it's just kind of fun to have 
a random, you know, gypsy identify who you are based on your birthday. And you're like, that sounds like me. That's so fun. <laughs> so I challenge you, your homework is to find out what your number is and I'm you'll have to seek out a numerologist. Okay. Yes. And, uh, and then I also joke with people that we count two, three, and that's how we count one, two, three, many. That's it. And so from a speaking perspective, uh, you know, I try to not have more than three points. And how many little blind mice are there? Three. You're right. How many, how many, <laughs> little, pigs, how many little pigs are there? There's three. Yeah. So you look throughout history and culture and the number three is really a nice stepping stone to helping people remember. So we're just going to talk about you've got these conferences, you've got these dinners or celebration events, and you've got the trade shows. Now, I guess the difference between a conference and a trade show, like a C-level, you know, um, employee development would be more like, would you call that a conference or is that more like a... I would call that a conference. So anytime where there's learning and development taking place or... Oh, yeah. Okay. So learning and development is a conference. And then Mm -hmm. the the trade show is more like we're here to sell stuff and, you know, travel from around the world to gather everyone together. Yes. Okay, so out of these three, and this is I'm I'm leading us down a decision matrix tree here. Out of these three, for the conferences, the dinner events, and the trade shows, let's talk quickly about the opportunities for speakers at those events. What do those spots look like? Because if we've just boiled down like any type of event into three, this would be fun to go one step further and have a couple examples of the opportunity for speakers at these types of events. Perfect. So conferences, right? Break us down like (laughs) what are the top three opportunities for speakers within conferences? So I can immediately think of two. And so let's mention those two and then maybe a third will peek in to my answer. Yes, it always does. It does. Right. So number one is the breakout session. So the learning and development opportunities. So every conference will have a learning and development opportunity. So whether you are a corporation holding a user event where you want to train your users further on the products that you have or um, sales tactics, et cetera, or you're a learning and development agency that wants to teach women on how to be more empowered, et cetera, or to step up into the C-suite. So that would be learning development content available in the breakout session. Okay. And then also the other kind of speakers are going to be motivational slash inspirational speakers. And generally you find those in your main stage, your general session. And in my opinion, the primary reason for those is really to those types of speakers is really to get butts and seats or folks to register for this event. Okay. They're your wow speaker. So I would say there's two. Wow. Yeah. I like that. The wow, wow. <laughs> Just I sat there and I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's two. Now I can think of another one, but maybe it's the, maybe it fits into one of these two, but would you say that the actual keynote spot is that wow speaker? Is that um, the inspirational or is that something different? I mean, cause it's important to mm-hmm. understand how people are using those words. And you know, the keynote seems to be that sought after uh, all glorified gem but would you refer to the keynote as that inspirational, motivational? I would, but I can see how both would actually work. So could, your keynote could be learning development. But in my opinion, the keynote is your wow speaker. So okay. 
typically a big name. And so if, if it's learning and development content, it's going to be somebody who's very well known in that industry. Okay. So here we go. So we have two right now. We have the, yeah. the breakout sessions, which are, you know, multiple ones are happening during the same time. They're 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. You maybe apply to do it or you're selected. Maybe you're an internal employee that's able to highlight what you're doing as part of it. Then you've got your wow speaker, which is also your keynote, inspirational, motivational, kind of drawing people in. I've got another one for you, and it's the host or the MC uh, or yes. somebody who's also up on stage, right? Mm-hmm. And I I got a lot of my initial stage time by being a host or an MC, like at events where people would be looking around like, who's going to take the mic and make the introduction? Be like, me, I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... And MCs are oftentimes they're the oftentimes the glue to what's missing on your main stage. So they're the folks, as you know, that will weave that message throughout everything that's spoken throughout the conference. They're almost like the editor, right? Correct. They yeah. come up over the top and they take exactly what you have, but maybe in that moment there needs to be a fly edit instead of throwing the SIC and just sort of like bumble over what could have been a better transition. They take that, they own it, they make the edit, they resolve the the comment in the Google Doc, proverbially here, and then move right. forward with it. I like that. Exactly. And they carry the theme. So if there's one common theme for the event, they'll make sure that from speaker A to speaker B that that theme is carried through. Right. And so they now what I think is, is a really great deal for MCs is the fact that they get a lot of stage time and a lot of exposure, even though they might not speak collectively a lot. And when I played hockey as a youth, when I thought I was going to be a professional hockey player, which, you know, almost happened, right? Uh, I was a goaltender. So as a goaltender, um, I think there's a lot of analogies to an, uh, an ice hockey goaltender to an MC because you are on the ice the whole time, but the seconds or moments where you are actually live are some of the most crucial. It's what either keeps the puck in or out of the net. So I like that. Are you a hockey fan at all? I'm, I've been to a couple of games. It okay. really wasn't a sport where I grew up. So I'm a bigger football cool. fan, football and basketball. Okay. Favorite football team, favorite basketball team. Don't Oof. even think about it. What? Uh, Denver Broncos. And I okay. don't have a basketball team. Okay. See, I'm a bandwagon fan. So I, you know, I'm cool with just sort of wherever I'm at, like, oh yeah, I like them. Mm-hmm. So you can cheat on that for the, for the basketball thing. Yeah. So, well, and I used to be season ticket holders to the Orlando Magic, but that was when I lived in Orlando. And now I really just like the NBA playoffs. So anybody who makes the playoffs, I'm cheering for. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's good. I'm, I'm with you on that, the bandwagon. Okay. So back to this, this concept here, when it comes to conferences, which have to do with personal development or corporate training and things like that, we have the three different buckets. We have the breakout sessions, the keynotes, and the MC. Let's move on to this, um, the entertainment side of events, the number two. Mm-hmm. What are the speaking opportunities there? Oh, the celebration, the celebratory the events. events. Celebrations, yeah. Yes. Celebratory. So speaker events, uh, I think there's an MC opportunity there. Okay. And a wow speaker. I'm not sure that there's any L&D opportunities there because we're, we're gathering to celebrate. Right. So. Well, I, I can think of one, right? Because. For some reason, the three always comes uh, sure. comes strong in the end. At a wedding, uh, like I've had people approach me, not at a wedding, but I've had people approach me and I've coached them on their best man speech. Sure. 
because it is maybe like, and actually this is funny, a lot of people join Toastmasters for the reason that they have to speak at a wedding. <laughs> but it's, it's like the gateway drug of speaking, right? And so it's a lot of pressure. And for some people, it's like the biggest public speaking that they have to do. And I think that's an interesting opportunity for speaking. So if you're at the celebratory event, you still have a chance to get on stage and show yourself as someone who can put some words together and maybe be funny, be uh, insightful and help control the crowd. That's true. So there's our three. We, yeah. We got the MC, the wow. What, what do we want to call this third? Perhaps this third the toaster, op- the toast giver. Toaster. <laughs> yes, the toaster. Okay. So now let's move to trade shows, which are different, right? That's a different beast because it's more of a, a commerce driven purpose, right? Right. And I think for the purpose of this conversation, we should only focus on the trade shows that are not connected to a larger conference. Okay. And explain that. Is that, give me an example of that maybe. Well, the reason I was meant thinking that is because a lot of trade shows are connected to a larger conference and then you're going to have the same three speakers that you would see at a conference. Correct. The crossover. Gotcha. um, Just to keep the content fresh. Keep the focus. Right. Right. Um, a trade show without learning and development opportunity, for example. Let's call it that. So the focus is sales. Okay, I dig it. So yes. the types of speakers at a trade show would be your wow speaker again. So that could be your motivational, your inspirational, your big name. Okay. It could be your MC. And then there could be other opportunities where you speak inside a booth, for example. Oh, I dig that. Right. Because that's actually a lot of practice on your pitching, which is a little mini speech at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And there's opportunities for booth presentations to be given by employees of that company, or they even sometimes hire out or bring in guest speakers. So this is what's cool about what we have just formulated here. We have formulated the three by three matrix of speaking opportunity for events which is pretty legit. Like we should turn this into a a cool one pager for you or an infographic. And you can use this as like a nice lead magnet to get people the information in exchange for maybe their email or something. Who knows? Right. That's perfect. (laughs) I will take. All right. So the three by three matrix, we've broken down all type of speaking events into three, which are conferences. We're then calling celebratory events and trade shows, which are not connected to conferences. And within those, there are three opportunities within each of those, which brings a total of nine total targets for speakers to go after. And in the conference, it is the breakout speakers, the wow speaker, and the MC. In the celebratory events, it's the MC, the wow speaker, and the toaster. And then when it comes to trade shows, it's the wow speaker, the boother, and then (laughs) we need one more. Oh, I thought we had three. So the wow speaker, you're right. We had the MC. There could also be an MC. Oh, the MC. Sweet. And then just because people like, you know, solid numbers, even though nine is a multiple of three, which is also amazing. The one other speaking opportunity I'm just thinking of now in all of these are the individuals that attend these events. Because I will argue that if you open your mouth in public, you are a public speaker. And if you're at a conference, if you're at a celebratory event or you're at a trade show, you talking with one person or five people or a group of people at the table, that's an opportunity for you to make an impact or make a mark or add to the purpose of the event. Whew. Right? Did I lose you? That was so dramatic, apparently, that 
it created a blip in the matrix <laughs> and it uh, somehow disconnected us online. Well, there you have it, people. That is powerful information for you. Okay, Jen, are you there? Are you back? Hello, Jen? Hi, Ryan. I'm here. <laughs> so I heard your last thought and then yes. the line just went silent. <laughs> so okay. it was powerful. It was, it was totally powerful. Wow. This is, you know what? That was real people. This is you're you're living in the real world in this material world, and uh, we when you drop knowledge bombs that are so like so thought provoking and so deep to the soul, it disconnects phone lines. <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. So we have the <laughs> so we have the three by three, which is a total of nine speakers, and the tenth, which is a line disconnecting strength. The fact that if you are at a guest at these events, you also can be a speaker. So any comments on that crazy idea? Well, I would say that's even more important if you're a speaker who is a guest at an event, because in theory, you're always promoting yourself. And right. so you want to keep that in mind when you're attending an event and you are a speaker. I have to keep that in mind when I attend an event right. and I'm an event organizer, you know? Right. So you're always marketing yourself. Now, there are some people, maybe some of the WOW speakers, like they have their big keynote from 10 to 1130 and they show up at like 1045 and then, you know, run out the back door, right? Like there are people that speak at events and they just go to speak. But you're telling people if you're there to speak, that's just like the best opportunity to actually get involved in the conference and meet people and, and expand your reach. Exactly. And it's, there's no better opportunity than, than that to meet the attendees who you're speaking to, because that, that will help you connect the dots of here's my presentation plus who I'm talking to. It's only going to make your presentation better. Yeah. And when you're talking with hundreds or thousands of people, those people work somewhere else, which if they see you and then they connect with you and can talk with you, they could go back to their boss and be like, oh my gosh, not only did I see Jen speak, but I got to talk with her and she was so amazing and she's going to be in our town soon. And then there you go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I see that often. Okay. So what are like, this is, this is great. I mean, normally we talk about public speaking tips, but this is great insight to enabling people to see themselves as speakers at every event they go to. And it helps to clarify the different opportunities for speaking spots by the three by three for the E cubed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Actually, look at let's let's go back to number three. You are E cubed, and that also is three. Oh boy, you're right. And you know what's funny is um, the name of the company came up because I like the letter E and I like math. Let's go back to the accounting at the beginning. And so the tagline of our company is elevating executive events, which is three words that start with the letter E. Wow. So it's all tying together. And E has three lines in it that go the same direction. Oh my God. Goosebumps. And you could you could even <laughs> you could even take this uh this three by three concept and you could even sort of like you know reverse engineer or play with people and see how it works, right? You're like, why are you E cubed? Well, there's only three types of events, and we've identified three speaking opportunities at each one of those events, plus the bonus tenth. But you know, if you really want to know about that, we can talk about it. And they're like <laughs> Tell me, tell me more about the three by three and by the nine the and the tenth one. Oh, yes. <laughs> just make sure, just promise me, promise me you don't do this over the phone because when you tell them number 10, it's so powerful, it's going to disconnect the line. You're right. <laughs> we don't want to risk that again. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Okay, I'm sorry. This is too fun. So let's move into now that we know the opportunities for the speakers and the events. Let's talk about these events themselves. And I want to dig a little bit deeper because one thing you said about the this wow factor, the wow speaker, they show up in all three of the events. And so you had mentioned something about their ability to bring people and fill seats. How important is it for a speaker to have an audience with them? Or talk to me about that. How, how would you determine that? What does that mean? Well, it's oftentimes there's events that we work with or clients that we work for whose the success of the conference or the event is based on total number of attendees. And sometimes we'll make the suggestion of to help get attendees, let's focus on a keynote speaker or your wow speaker. And sometimes that's just a name. And sometimes that's a speaker who can bring a a large following with them. So somebody who's very active on social media, for example, might have a huge Twitter following. There was a client that I've worked with over the last few years, two of, um, yeah, one client, and there's a couple speakers that teach at their learning and development conference, and they have huge social media followings. And so whenever we would book these speakers, the two speakers would promote it on their social accounts, and then the, their followers would then register for our conference. And so we knew what we were getting when we booked them, in addition to the valuable content they provide, of course. Right. And that's that's important to think about because I talk a lot about, uh, and I'm very passionate about the idea of a personal brand. So this sounds like the WOW speaker has a personal brand. Would you say that that's a fair statement that the that the WOW keynote speakers, because their name is recognized and they have a following that, you know, do you classify that from that verbiage as them having very strong personal brands or is that not necessarily the case? That's a great way to describe it. I think that's exactly what we're looking for, you know, when we're looking to hire that speaker to help put butts in seats. Exactly. Awesome. And and I think that there's more and more popularity of people realizing that because I, I have this funny concept and I'll, and I'll test you out on it. Here's, a, here's throwing you under the love bus. It's not going to hurt, okay? Okay. <laughs> do you think that you have a personal brand right now or have you developed one or do you have a personal brand? Yes. Okay, yes, I do. excellent. And when I ask that to an audience, I would say it's about a 50-50 where half of the people that I ask, they say, no, I don't have a personal brand. Then I flip around and I say, yes, you do. You have a personal brand, whether you think so or not, whether you like it or not, because a brand is basically what other people think about you, right? The trick is if you don't start taking control of your own narrative, if you're not making the decision that what you're doing is seen in a way that's in line with what you want to be known for, then you have a personal brand, but you can't, you're not controlling it. And so I think these speakers that you're talking about, they have a personal brand, they're controlling the narrative, they have the following, they have the social proof, and that's of huge value to an organizer like you. Yes, definitely. Hands down. Hands down. Both hands down. Put the mic down, put the hands down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this visual of like somebody on stage going like, oh my gosh, put it down and just like put the hands on the ground. Like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you get up and speak? Do you play the MC at all? Do you get up there and talk or is your public speaking more internally and in, in the sales room and negotiating and stuff like that? 
my public speaking is more the latter. So okay. in smaller groups. Yeah. And yeah. that's also important. You've got to convince these organizations to hire you. You've got to convince the speakers to speak at the events. Like you are the behind the stage, behind the stage speaker. I dig it. Yes. So that's where I prefer. That's where I prefer to be. Yeah. And that's totally cool. You might get, you might have to be a toaster one day and you'll do that and you'll do good at it. And then you'll be an attendee number 10 and you'll maximize that value and bring more people into your network so that it serves you and your business to serve the corporations that you serve. Hashtag serve. Serve, serve. (laughs) Serve, serve. (laughs) So, uh, what would you say is one of the most, um, so we talked about getting the butts and seats, right? But is there an overall quality or trait that you can think of that helps people become more payable for their speaking, right? Is there, is there a quality or a trait or something that you've seen within this personal brand that people could strive for or could focus on developing? I think, in my opinion, there's two traits not, that are super important. You sure there's Maybe not three? three. <laughs> there might be three. Let's start with two. There's okay. two traits that are super important when, from my perspective, when booking speakers okay. is number one, the content being relevant to what the conference is. Okay. And then number two is just the speaker being a partner to the person putting on the conference. And so, and when you say partner, does that mean trying to put butts in seats? Is that the partnership deal of it and promoting and things like that? I think it's all of that. Okay. Whenever we book speakers, we don't necessarily request the speaker help us put butts in seats. It's just more of a side. Oh, but are, but you're never upset if they do, though, right? Never. No, no, that's exactly. That's right. this uh, is an interesting. <laughs> wait, wait. This is a this is a timeout spot right here, real quick, because if okay. you're a speaker and you're listening to this. Right. Someone, let's say you land the gig to speak somewhere, whether it's paid or not. Well, you're hearing from Jen as a behind the scenes because she wants to, she's, she's being your friend here over the podcast. Is she saying that she not always asks people to help promote and partner, but she's just listed that as number two on her top list of the most valuable things. So if you are asked to speak an event, Jen, just think about Jen. And you, just for her, do everything you can to promote the event. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? But do some yes, people not Do some people not do it? Like, do you get people that you hire and they're like, oh, great. Uh, yes, I'll be there 15 minutes before and I'll send you an invoice after. Oh, yes. That happens more often than not, actually. Wow. So, yeah, um, it's a lot. I mean, you miss out on a lot of opportunity. You do, right? Because just like, yeah. I bet you if you hired a ginger, for example, and they maybe look like me, who knows? And then you invite them to speak in an event, but I share that with my network. I post that on all my platforms. I maybe ask you for a couple of VIP guests to get a few people into the event that might bring more influence to it. Then am I on a more preferred list the next time, as opposed to somebody who say wasn't a ginger and didn't do those things. And it was just more of a churn and burn. Yes, I would say so. I mean, cause you're you are partnering with us to help make the event more successful. The word partnering is really, I I like that word partnering, right? Like I haven't, somebody tries to get a speaking gig, right? But think about changing the mentality and the words to saying, I want to be a a partner of this event. Right. Well, what do you mean? Well, my talent, the value I bring is speaking. And that's, that's what I'd like to partner with you on. That's a really interesting reframe of getting a quote unquote speaking gig 
but trying to partner with these events. I like that. Yeah, and I tried to, we try to do that with our own services, but it's very important to me that we work with providers, speakers, vendors who do partner with us, who partner with our clients, because you want all, everyone to partner and have a buy-in to what's the overall event event objective. So if you're simply a paid speaker, simply a paid vendor, and you don't have that buy-in and feel like that partner, then how do I as the event? Yeah. You're not as valuable the next time. Right. As the event organizer, how do I know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So do you have a number three? And if not, I have one. And I promise it's not as powerful as the 10 after the three by three. (laughs) Give it to me. Okay. So I think that the third value, well, before, before I tell you, I want to do a little investigative work here. What typically happens after a speaking gig or engagement or event? Like, do you hear from speakers afterwards? You know, not typically. I think. Okay. Okay. That's all, that's all I needed to know. So here's my, here's my challenge to people. If you really want to bring value to a conference and you want to have a longevity of, of getting booked at multiple events, you've got the, the number one and number two, which I think Jen laid out in in an amazing point. It's just your content's got to be on point and relevant. You've got to be looking at the event as a partner, but number three, the fortunes in the follow-up. And like, did you send the event promoter a thank you note? Did you follow up and maybe write an article or blog about it? Did you um, meet people at the event that helped you to get another gig and then told Jen about it that you're so thankful for the connection that you got? Did you contact Jen and say, hey, Jen, I see that you're organizing this other event. I want to introduce you to two of my other speaker friends because you were so great as an organizer. Like, I think not everybody does that. And that's pretty low hanging fruit, right? Like what happens after the curtain falls? That would be my number three is follow up and be thankful and get like, I love speaking at an event and then making introductions of people that I think would fit for that event next year, right? makes your job easier. Gives me kudos for inviting people that I know. Everybody kind of wins. And I love that. I love that attitude because now you not only spoke at the event, but you've met some of the attendees, hopefully. So you know the vibe and you know what kind of speakers would be a good fit. So that takes a lot of the guesswork out of the planner's hands, you know. And you guys have enough to account for. It's like after your paper's finished, you know, picking it up and reading it. The, the paper, if you're just joined us now or you forgot, we talked about how Jen's entire business of uh, creating these crazy events is really just like creating a speech on a piece of paper with the people being the words and the the elements being the speakers and the through line being the purpose of the event. But imagine if I picked up that paper, which was had your speech on it afterwards, and then also gave you some like feedback where I said, hey, as a speaker, I experienced this. The green room was really pink and I wish it was green. I'm not trying to complain, but I heard this. Would you take unsolicited feedback like that as part of a follow-up process that is a benefit for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think you want to do the, I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but the sandwich. Oh, compliment, oh, compliment sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I think sometimes speakers kind of get a bad rap. So at the end of an event, an event organizer okay. is tired. Yes. And so if it's not in a nice compliment sandwich, it might not come off the right way. 
Or maybe maybe if you're tired, yeah, you don't want to do it yeah. then, right? Right. So I what I'm hearing is that you're you're tired after an event. So you're like hangry and you're you're tired. Exactly. So don't don't give feedback at the event, right? Maybe may, wait like a week and then make it a cupcake sandwich, right? Deliver cupcakes with the news or say, hey, you know, thank you so much. This actually doubles up with the idea of thanking them. Because if you wait a week, I write you a thank you card. That's definitely part of the top sandwich. It's like, I had such an amazing time. You got your staff was so great. It was wonderful. If you are curious, I did see uh, one or two things I'd like to point out that maybe you could improve upon for next time but I can't wait for next year's event. And that's the other part of the sandwich at the bottom there. Yes, exactly right. So that's it. You need to be thanked more. You need more (laughs) sandwiches and cupcake feedbacks. But the exciting part of what I've learned here today in this call is that it goes back to what I always tell people. And I I just, maybe I'll get this tattooed on me or something or pretend like my freckles are a constellation that spells it out. But I really think that successful people are not doing things that everybody else cannot do. Now, people can be replaced with other people, like speakers. So successful speakers aren't doing things that everybody else can't do. Successful speakers are doing what everyone can do, but not enough people do or nobody does, right? If if you are the person that sends a thank you note and a compliment sandwich and follows up and makes introductions, that doesn't cost any money. That's not super crazy expensive, but Jen, I can just hear you like lighting up about that as an idea, except when it's right afterwards, because I could hear that you were not, <laughs> that was not the time to talk to you. But this, that's what's so exciting. So if you're listening to this, think of, you know, the, the three by three, which is the nine different opportunities to speak, as well as the phone world disconnecting matrix glitch, glitching idea that you are a speaker if you attend an event because you have an opportunity to speak. And then understanding that, you know, having the three qualities um, that Jen looks for, which is relevant content and partnering, and this idea of follow-up as well as feeding her some compliment sandwiches. like Or cupcakes. Or cupcakes. cupcakes. <laughs> yes. You know what? <laughs> whenever, like when, when, whenever I speak at one of your events, I'm just throwing out the when instead of if. That's another little trick for your mind because... Thoughts become words and words become things. So think good thoughts. So when we work together, I will send my thank you note and I will take a cupcake and I'm not sure whether I'm going to cut it in half vertically or horizontally. And I'm actually going to stick it like somehow in the middle and then get it delivered. So it's like an actual cupcake sandwich. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if somebody wants to find you or connect with you to learn more about what you're up to, how do they find you? What's the best way to get you? So email is the best. And my email address is Jen, J-E-N, at E-Cubed Events. So that's E-C-U-B as in boy, E-D as in David, events.com. Or uh, just hop on over to my website, ecubedevents.com. And there's a info page on there that you can leave your note. You just said hop. And I was like imagining myself like hopping <laughs> through the internet, like hop, 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 hop onto there. Well, Jen, this has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, connecting with you. And I'm excited that everybody got to meet you along with me meeting you for the first time here today. Um, I feel like this has been a lot of powerful information for people to become even better world-class speakers or get to that world-class speaking level. So thank you so much, Jen, and we'll see you online. 